Christmas. Good to see you this morning, Orchard Church. Take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles. If you're a guest this morning and may not have a Bible with you, we will also put the scriptures on the screen. But if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to look in your Bibles uh, for yourself and follow along in the message this morning. Um, how many of you guys remember back in like August, September, getting a shoebox for Christmas that you filled uh, for some kids in our feeding center? Do you remember that way back in August, September? Some of you probably wondered, whatever happened to those? Well, we put them on in big boxes. We put them on crates. We put them on ships and we shipped them around the world to Haiti, uh, Mexico, and the Philippines where we have three feeding centers that we fully support. We, we feed over 500 kids every day and those boxes that you fill with those gifts went to our kids in our feeding centers and two of them uh, yesterday and this last week, they gave those boxes and those gifts, gifts out to those kids and so they sent us some pictures and so this is our orchard feeding center in Haiti. You can see all the kids. They uh, We feed over 300 kids in that feeding center and uh, your gifts your boxes there, some of them over on the left, were given out to all these kids. They made a little sign that says, Merry Christmas, Pastor Doug at Orchard Church. You made our Christmas more joyful. And so that's our feeding center in Haiti. And then this next slide we got yesterday, this is our feeding center in Mexico and all the kids there that we gave gifts to. So can we just celebrate that, that we made Christmas a little brighter for these kids around the world? Thank you guys so much, all of you who got one of those Christmas boxes and gave it to our kids. We're waiting for pictures uh, from our feeding center in the Philippines, and we'll show those as soon as we've got them as well. But I know that it was a blessing to those kids and those families. Well, today, we are wrapping up our three-week Christmas series called Fear Not. We're taking a behind-the-scenes look at the Christmas story where an angel showed up to three different people in the story. An angel showed up first to Mary and then to Joseph. Now, today, we're going to look at where the angel appears to the shepherds and all three times help me out church the angel said fear not fear not don't be afraid in the first week we talked about with Mary, when the angel said, fear not, don't be afraid of what God might ask you to do. Last week, we talked about when the angel appeared to Joseph, and we talked about the fear of what people think uh, more than what God thinks and, and, and doing what God asks us to do. Well, today, we're going to look at the story, very familiar story um, in the Christmas story, where the angel appeared to the shepherds that were in the fields, and we're going to talk about the fear of not being right with God. You know, where do we stand with God? Because the truth is some people today, if they're honest, they're sometimes afraid of where do I stand with God? You know, am I right with God? Because after all, we want God to bless us, amen? And so we want to be right with God so we receive his blessings. Um, we want God to answer our prayer requests, so we want to make sure we're right with God. You know, one day we're going to spend eternity somewhere. We're going to stand before God. The Bible says every one of us will. We want to make sure we're right with God. And sometimes people wonder, am I good enough? Do I measure up? You know, am I really right with God? I remember wrestling with this at times as a young boy growing up. I grew up in a church like some of you, um, and some of you grew up in a church like this, I grew up in what we would call a hellfire and brimstone preaching church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, the preacher, you know, he yelled and he screamed and he stomped. And every once in a while, I'd get a white hanky out. And he talked a lot about heaven, but he also talked a lot about that other place. And I remember as a kid, it literally scared the hell out of me. And I'm like, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to that other place. I want to be with God. And I wanted to make sure I was right with God. And I remember as a seven, eight-year-old boy, not sure. Am I right with God? And I was a little bit afraid. And then there was, on top of that, there was this prayer. 
that my mom taught me when I was a little boy and she used to always pray it with me before I would go to sleep and then finally I got old enough I could pray it myself. And some of you know this prayer. So if you know this prayer, help me out. Now, now as, as I recite this prayer, there is a scary part and a freaky part of this prayer. If you really listen to the words, and y'all been teaching this to your kids, and, and I remember when I would get to this freaky, scary part as a kid laying in my bed, I was a little bit concerned about, am I right with God? So help me out. It goes like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. Now, okay, hold on. When we get to the scary part, raise your hand, okay? It's coming. All right, let's start over. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Good night, Dougie. Sweet dreams. We hope you're still here in the morning. Did that freak anybody else besides me when you were a kid? If I should die before I wake? And I remember thinking sometimes, what if I do die before I wake? You know, what if I stand before God? Am, am I right with God? I mean, am I, have I done enough? What, am I going to be okay? And sometimes people today, the truth is they have this fear of not being right with God. Where do I stand with God? What if I die before I wake? What if something happens? And so I believe in a very real and a very personal way that God is going to speak to some of you today and he's going to encourage you not to be afraid of being right with God and not to be afraid of where you stand with God. And this is going to be, a, I believe, a game changer for some of you today. So let's jump into this familiar uh, story in the Christmas story where the angel appears to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Let's read it. And then let's talk about what's going on here behind the scenes. It says in verse 8, that night there were, help me church, there were what? Shepherds. That's, that's the main character in our story today. There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. They were guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly an angel, everybody say an angel, an angel of the Lord. It's the third time we've seen in the Christmas story where an angel appeared to someone. First it was Mary, then Joseph, now it's the shepherds. An angel of the Lord appeared among them, among these shepherds, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were what? Terrified. They were scared. They were afraid. They weren't excited. They weren't happy. They were afraid. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Here it is, the theme of our series. Don't be what? Afraid. Some versions of the Bible say, fear not. The angel said, fear not. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Good news that will bring great joy to some people, to most people. No, what does it say? To all people. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord you've been hearing about, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in, snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And so you have this angel that announces the birth of the Messiah to the shepherds on that first Christmas night. Now, this was not uncommon for someone to announce the birth of a baby, especially the birth of the firstborn son. 
If you had any financial means at all during this time period in this culture, you would, if you had the birth of your firstborn son, you would hire what was called a herald. And the herald would go out into the street and they would announce the birth of the baby. Now, I know some of you guys, we sang about it this morning. Hark the herald angels sing. You thought the name of the angel was Harold, but that's not <laughs> true. A herald was a spokesperson, a messenger. And so this messenger would announce this birth. So God sends an angel to be the herald to announce the birth of God's firstborn son, Jesus Christ. I mean, today, you know, we don't need heralds because we just would put it on Facebook or tweet about it or put it on Instagram. Here's our new baby. But God would send this, this angel, did send this angel. And people were used to this, the announcement, but it didn't always come. It wasn't from an angel. It was usually from a person. And so this angel shows up. Now, what's interesting in the story is not just that God sent a herald, an angel, but who he sent the angel to. I mean, you would think that if God's going to send an angel to herald the announcement of the good news of the birth of the Messiah, that he would maybe go to like royalty, to a king or a queen or a prince and let them know, or maybe to the political leaders, or maybe he would send the herald to the religious leaders. After all, this is the son of God. This is the Messiah. It's going to save people from their sins. And, and so maybe he would send them to the religious leaders, to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or the scribes. But that's not who God sends the herald to. Who did God send the herald to to announce the birth of Jesus? To the shepherds, to the shepherds of all people. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, well, that makes sense because when I put out my nativity scene at Christmas, I always put shepherds, you know, there. Well, the reason is because the shepherds are in the story in the Bible. But what a lot of people don't realize is that of all the people that God would choose for the angel to announce the birth of his son, that he chose the shepherds. They were the most disrespected, disregarded people in that culture. They had a very embarrassing, dirty job of watching sheep all the time. They were considered the lowest of society. I mean, they hung out with sheep all the time, so they didn't smell real good. They smelled sheepy because that's what shepherds do. And if a family member had a shepherd, if the father had a shepherd, it would always go to the youngest son. He would have to be the shepherd. Or a lot of times they would have slaves that they would say, you're going to be a shepherd. They were uneducated. Um, they had no opportunity for advancement in their career. And what's even worse is the religious leaders of all people who should love God and people, the religious leaders created this culture that was very degrading and disrespectful and negative towards shepherds. They taught that they were failures in society. They taught that they were outcasts. And so no matter how hard these shepherds tried, they didn't ever feel like, feel like they measured up. And they lived in this constant fear of being distant from God because the religious system made them feel that way. Made them feel distant. So I hope you'll take some notes this morning. I want, I want to share three reasons why the shepherds felt distant from God and how we sometimes can feel the same way as the shepherds. And then I've got some very good news for you this Christmas. The same kind of news that the angel brought to the shepherds. Three reasons these shepherds felt distant from God by the religious leaders and society. First of all, they felt unworthy. They felt very unworthy. They were outcasts in Israel. Uh, religion at that time taught that they weren't good enough for God, that they could not approach God, they could not come to God. Their work kept them on the road for days and weeks and months at a time. They couldn't come in and clean up. They couldn't go visit the temple. They couldn't uh, participate in the ceremonial acts and, and duties. They, the religious leaders taught they were ceremonially unclean. A religious person, if they touched a shepherd or rubbed up against them, they felt like they were spiritually unclean. So you can imagine Imagine how this made the shepherds feel. They felt unclean, they felt unworthy, they felt unaccepted by society 
and the religious culture of that time. You know, a lot of times we feel that way, even today. Maybe some of you feel this way. You know, you come into a church service like this, into what some would call a religious setting, and you come in and everybody looks so happy and so holy and so righteous and so Christmassy, and you feel like, man, these people are all right with God, but I don't know that I feel like I'm right with God. I know what I've done. I know where I've been. I know the things that I've done in my life that I'm ashamed of, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm embarrassed by. And we look around church and think, well, everybody else has got it together, but maybe we don't and we feel unworthy. You know, some of you are like, I almost killed my kids on the way to church this morning. If my arm would have been long enough, I would have taken one of them out. And then, you know, it's like, shut up, kids, we're going to worship Jesus. Come on. Glory to God, hallelujah. And so we come in and we put on this face and we put on this facade. But the truth is, if you looked into some of our hearts, we feel unworthy like the shepherds. And, and I want to just encourage you with this, some really good news this morning and this Christmas. No matter how you came this morning, whether a friend invited you, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, and no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how unworthy you feel, and you may feel in your heart, I don't belong here. I just want to get this over with. Can I tell you based on the authority of God's word and God's love and this church family, you do belong here. Can we celebrate that, Orchard Church? You do belong here. We learned a long time ago that Orchard Church is not a country club for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Amen? And we're all just looking for a savior. And that maybe but you're here and you feel a little bit like the shepherds that that angel came to. You feel unworthy. Well, hang on. I've got some good news. Not only did they feel unworthy, not only did the religious leaders and religious culture make them feel unworthy, they felt inadequate. The religious system made them feel inadequate. They were uneducated. They felt like they never measured up to anyone else in society. They weren't as smart as everyone else. They weren't as popular as everyone else. They weren't as attractive as, as everyone else. You know, when, when they would tweet something out, nobody would follow them. You know, they put their Christmas tree on Instagram. They didn't get any hearts. And they, they felt like, you know, I'm inadequate. I, I don't measure up to anybody else. They, they felt spiritually inadequate. They couldn't keep the Sabbath because they were on the road as nomads and they were out, you know, doing their job as shepherds and they were protecting the sheep. And, and the truth is, if we're all just open and honest, there's times in our life we all feel inadequate. If you've ever felt inadequate, just say yes. You know, I was, I was reminded just this week how I sometimes feel inadequate as a pastor. I was invited by a friend of mine to a pastor's luncheon uh, in downtown Denver and I really try to connect with other pastors in our community in the Denver metro area because we're all on the same team trying to bring people to Jesus amen and when we need each other and we need to pray for each other and pastors face challenges and struggles that other people don't understand and, and so this guy said hey I want you to meet with this group of pastors they've all started a church in the last three to four years and I know you would be an encouragement to them to hear your story of orchard and all that and you'll he said you'll fit right in with this group of pastors you'll fit right in I'm like, okay, cool. And there were like eight of them that were going to show up. Well, I got there early because I don't like to be late. So I got there early and I was with the guy that invited me. And the first pastor comes in the door and I, I shake his hand. And the guy's like 6'1", 200 pounds. And I'm like, wow, this is a big pastor, you know. And I'm like, good to meet you, you know. And I try to give him a firm handshake. You know, I like the two hands. And so... <laughs> You know, I felt a little uncomfortable, a little uneasy, but I'm like, well, this is just the first guy. So he goes and sits down. I mean, it's a true story. Next pastor shows up. This guy's like 6'3", 250. 
And, and he comes in. I'm like, hey, how's it going? You know, and I shake his. And one by one, they got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, I'm telling you, not as, one of them was less than like, you know, 6'1", 200 pounds. I'm like, I thought I was meeting the offensive line of the Denver Broncos. And I'm like, I turned to my friend that invited me and I said, you lied to me. You said I would fit right in with this group. I didn't know there was a height requirement to be in this pastoral luncheon group. And I felt a little inadequate, to be honest with you. It was kind of weird. And you know, I don't know how this plays out in your life. Maybe some of you ladies, you know, we're, we're so good at comparing ourselves to someone else and, and not feeling as adequate as, some, as someone else. And it may not be reality, but perception is reality to us. And maybe you ladies go to your friend's house and it's always perfect. And it smells so clean and nice. And it smells like candles. And the floor is waxed. And the kids match. And they're so creative with Elf on the Shelf. And they're putting it on Facebook all the time. You know, you come into your house. It smells like laundry. You haven't seen the floor in a year. You, you don't even know what happened to Elf on the Shelf, you know. The dog ate it or something. And you feel like, man. I don't measure up. I, I feel inadequate. And unfortunately, what's even sadder is sometimes we feel spiritually inadequate, don't we? We've all been there. We feel spiritually inadequate. I, I know there was a time in my life that I was running from God. I didn't want to have anything to do with God. And, and I was doing things that was, were not pleasing to God, and I was ashamed. And then God turned my life around, and now God's called me into ministry, and God's given me a second chance. But I can't tell you how often I feel unworthy and inadequate to stand here as your pastor. I drive in most Sunday mornings going, why me? Why do I get to do this? Sometimes other people feel spiritually inadequate. You, you hear other people talk about the Bible, and you go, oh, man, I don't have that kind of Bible knowledge. Yeah, I didn't even know that book was in the Bible. You know, they're quoting Bible verses in Scripture, and, and, and they're praying these eloquent prayers. And you go, man, I'm just praying that I make it through Christmas and don't kill my in-laws that are coming over. You know, I pray that I just don't kill the guy that took my parking place at the mall. And we feel spiritually inadequate. And, and that's exactly how the shepherds would have felt. I mean, they felt unworthy. And they felt inadequate. And it was the religious system that made them feel that way. Here's another thing they felt. And some of you can identify with this. They felt unloved. They felt unloved. They were known in, in this culture as thieves. Even though not all of them were, that's what most people thought of them. So much so, they were so untrusted that if you were a shepherd, you couldn't even be a witness in a court of law. They didn't trust you. They said, well, if you got a shepherd as a witness, we're not going to listen to them. And so they, they felt very unloved. Parents didn't want their daughters to marry a shepherd. They felt rejected. They, they felt unworthy. They felt inadequate. They felt unloved. And I meet people all the time that feel the same way. They feel unloved. They go, you know, how could a God and a heavenly father love me and accept me when my own dad didn't even love me? You know, why did my dad leave us and bail out on us when I was a kid? You know, what did I do wrong? You know, why didn't I measure up? If he, if he loved me, he would have stayed. Or maybe for some of you, unfortunately, the sad truth is this Christmas is the first Christmas that you're going to spend alone because your spouse bailed out on you. Your spouse either found someone else or they just said, you know, I don't want to be married anymore. I don't, I don't love you anymore. And man, how unloving can that make someone feel? Maybe, you know, you feel like you don't even like yourself. Maybe you look in the mirror and the truth is you, you don't even like yourself. And so people tend to think, well, if other people don't love me and I don't like myself, then how could God love me? How could God accept me? 
And a lot of people feel this way, just like the shepherds. They, they feel unworthy. They feel inadequate. They feel very unloved. And I believe there are probably people here today that God is speaking to you in a very real and a personal way. And you'd say, man, that's describing me. And maybe nobody else knows it, but you know it. And God knows it. And you feel unworthy. You feel inadequate. You feel unloved. You're hurting. and You feel alone. Well, can I give you some good news? Fear not. Fear not. Because the angel said, I've got good news of great joy for all people. You can be right with God. You don't have to feel that way. And maybe there's a single mom here and you're just trying to make it through the holidays the best you can and you feel inadequate. Maybe there's a father here, a dad here, and you know that financially you're not going to be able to provide the kind of Christmas for your family that you would like to provide for them. Uh, maybe you're a single person here and you're like, all my friends are dating and they're getting married and I'm still alone this Christmas and you know, when's God going to bring that person into my life? Maybe as a parent you feel like I'm trying to do the best I can to raise these kids and teach them to make good and wise decisions, but I, I feel like I'm failing and you feel unworthy. You feel inadequate. You feel unloved. But the angel says, fear not. I bring you good news that will bring great joy this Christmas. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, that excludes no one, will not perish but have what church? Everlasting life. You say, well, so what you're offering me is religion. Nope. We say this all the time here at Orchard Church. If you're looking for religion and a religious church, and you say, well, you're a pastor. Aren't you religious? Nope. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with the Savior of this world, Jesus Christ. That's what we offer. You see, here's the deal, church. Here's the good news this Christmas that we learn from this story where God sent the angel, the, angel, the herald, to, of all people. He sent it to a group of people, the shepherds, that felt unloved, inadequate, and unworthy. And the religious system made them feel that way as outcasts. And so God sent the angel to them of all people. And here's the deal. Religion didn't work for the shepherds. And it doesn't work for us today. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. You see, religion focuses on everything on the outside, the externals. But God always focuses on the inside. And aren't you thankful for that? God focuses on the heart, not on all the things on the outside. Religion is about do's and don'ts. And we're so good at going, looking at other people's lives and, you know, gauging our life and where we stand with God based upon what other people do or they don't do. And we say, well, you know, uh, I don't drink, cuss, or chew or run around with girls who do. But you do and I don't. So I'm better than you and I, I have a, a better right relationship and standing with God. And God says it's not about all the exterior do's and don'ts. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not about laws and, and duties. And so the good news this Christmas is that God doesn't offer us religion. He offers us a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Are you thankful for that this Christmas, Orchard Church? And I want to break this good news down. So simple, there's no way that you could miss it. How to be right with God? Because so many people think that it's about something we do or we don't do. And the Apostle Paul made this very clear in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. The good news of what Jesus did for us. It said, he said this, for no one can ever be made, what? Right with God. That's what, what we're talking about, the fear of not being right with God. Paul said, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. 
In other words, by being religious. I mean, when Jesus came to this earth, the group of people that he pointed out and that he preached to and he got onto more than anybody else was the religious leaders. It's not about religion. The law simply shows us how simple we are. But, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Isn't that an amazing verse? No matter who believes, no matter who we are. And in your notes, I want to give you three simple truths about being right with God. This is the good news this Christmas. This is the good news that God was trying to share with the shepherds 2,000 years ago. A group of people that felt unworthy, unloved, and inadequate like some of us today may feel. Three simple truths about how we can know we can be right with God. Number one is this. It's in your notes. You cannot be made right with God by keeping the law. You cannot be made right with God by keeping the law. And this was good news for the shepherds because the shepherds were not able to keep all the law. They were out on the road. They were out in the fields. They were out working. They couldn't, they couldn't keep the Sabbath. They couldn't keep all the laws. Did you know that there were over 613 laws in the Old Testament and re the religious leaders were trying to keep? And the shepherds couldn't keep most of these. They couldn't do it, so they felt unworthy. This is what Paul said. Let me remind you again. Let me break it down. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. You know, in the original language, the phrase no one means no one. <laughs> no one. And yet religion will tell you, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, and, and maybe you'll earn God's favor. Maybe you'll earn God's acceptance. But Paul said, no one can be, ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Well, then why did God give us commandments? Why did God give us so many laws in the Bible and the Old Testament, 613? Number two, you need to know this. The purpose of the law is to show you your need for a Savior. The purpose of the law is to show you your need for a savior. What did Paul say in Romans 3? The law simply shows us how what, church? How sinful we are. You know, if you're driving down the road and you want to know if you're breaking the law or not, hopefully it's not when the policeman pulls you over. But you know when you're breaking the law, when you pass the law that tells you what the speed limit is. And if, if it says it's 35 and you're going over 35, then you're breaking the law. If it says 45, then you know that's the law. And God has given us his law to show us not that if you keep the law, that's how you earn God's favor and you get to God. But the law shows us that where we've gone wrong, where we've done something opposite of what God has told us to do. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. That's the purpose of the law. And that we can't, just like the shepherds couldn't keep it, we can't keep all of it. We can't even if we try. And this is an important truth that we need to understand. We, we have a flawed society today in this way. If you ask most people today in our society, are you a good person? If I ask you, now I'm not asking you, but if I ask you to raise your hand if you feel like you're basically a good person, all of us would raise our hand. You know why? Because we compare ourselves among ourselves to feel better about ourselves. But God doesn't compare us to each other. He compares us to his perfect standard, the Bible, his laws. And we've all messed that up at different times in our life. But we think, well, I, I'm a good person because I don't do this like this person. And I don't do that like that person. I don't mean I'm not, I'm not stealing stuff. and I'm not killing people. So I'm basically a good person. 
Let's do a little exercise. And I know some of you have done this with me before, but a lot of you are new and you haven't, so everybody play, play along. Okay? And since it's Christmas, I want you guys to feel really good about yourselves this morning. And so we're going to do this little exercise. I'll participate with you. Let me ask you this question. We're going to kind of figure out, you know, where we are spiritually. How many of you guys, if you think hard enough, you've ever told a lie in your life? Ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Look around. Look around. Okay? All right? If anybody's not raising their hand, you know what they just did? Told a lie, right. Okay, so we've all told a lie. Well, if, if we've ever told a lie, then that makes us a liar, right? Okay, and that means we've sinned because God says don't lie. Okay, let's try another one. Um, how many of you, if you think hard enough, you've ever taken something that didn't belong to you? You've ever stolen something? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, there should be more ladies with hands up than that because you have like 20 Orchard Church pens in your purse right now. Okay, so if you've ever stolen something that makes you a thief right okay so let, let me ask you this question now remember what jesus said jesus said if you ever look at someone of the opposite sex that is not your spouse and you have even a little bit of a sinful lustful thought he says then you've committed spiritual adultery now i'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one i'm going to be kind enough because many of you are sitting next to your spouse we don't want to have to have you carried out of here because of being wounded so i'm just going to ask for a little pinky okay just a little pinky okay if you have ever if you've ever looked at someone of the opposite sex and had maybe a little bit of a lustful thought just give me a little pinky a little pinky. yes god bless you i see that pinky god bless you god bless you god bless you yes so according to Jesus, if you've ever looked at someone of the opposite sex and you've had a lustful thought, we've committed spiritual adultery. Okay, so let's put this all together. Orchard Church, we are a church full of lying, thieving adulterers. Merry Christmas. God bless you guys for being here today. Don't you feel so much better about yourselves? And that includes me, the guy standing up on stage flapping his gums. And you say, well... I thought you had good news for us this Christmas. That's not good news. That doesn't make me feel good. Here's the deal. Until we see ourselves as sinners, we don't see our great need for a Savior. Amen? Until we see ourselves as sinners, we don't see our need for a Savior. But when we understand we've all sinned and come short of a relationship with God. Romans 3.10 says there is none of us that are righteous and right with God on our own. None of us. And until we understand that and see that, we don't understand the amazing miracle of what God did 2,000 years ago when he sent his son to be the savior of the world, to save us from ourselves, to save us from our sins. We don't need more religion this Christmas Orchard Church. We need more Jesus. We need more of his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his mercy. That's what Christmas is all about. So what is the good news? What is the good news that the angels brought? First, you can't be made right with God by keeping the law. Second, the purpose of the law is to show us our need for a savior. So how can I be made right with God? How can I not be afraid of that? It's not by keeping the law. It's not by doing good deeds. It's not by being religious. Number three, here's the good news. Being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. That is the good news. And we can celebrate that. Amen? That's why we're here. That's what Christmas is all about. Being right with God comes by faith in Christ alone. It's, Christianity isn't about religion. It's about relationships. It's about Jesus Christ plus nothing. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Now, does that mean that once we accept Christ, we can just do whatever we want? No. We're not free to do whatever we want. We're free to follow and obey the one we love and have a relationship with, and his name is Jesus. It doesn't save us, but we want to follow him because we love him. We understand what he's done with us. Religion is spelled D-O. It's what I do. Christianity and relationship is spelled D-O-N-E, done. It's about what Jesus did for us on the cross to save us from ourselves and from our sin. Paul said it this way. I'll read it again in Romans 3.22. We are made, let's say it together, church. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. Everyone, no matter who you are, how unworthy, inadequate, or unloved you feel, this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. I can't think of any better news to share with you this Christmas than that. It's true for everyone. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you feel. And don't miss it this Christmas. To make sure we don't miss the power of this message. Of all the people that God could send the angel to herald the news of the birth of his son. Of all the people he could have chosen to, to send the angel to with the good news. He chose the group of people that was the most unlikely. The group that felt the most unworthy, inadequate, and unloved. To send a message and paint a picture for all of us. And that angel said to the shepherds, fear not. I bring you good news of great joy because today a Savior has been born in the city of David. And not just any Savior, your Savior. And I believe with all my heart that God is going to speak to some of you in a very real and a very practical and personal way this morning and this Christmas. You needed to be here. You needed to hear this message because some of you feel like the shepherds. You feel unworthy. You feel inadequate. You feel unloved. And can I tell you, fear not. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. And that includes you. Not just that a Savior has been born. Not just that the Savior has been born. But your Savior has been born. And your Savior wants to step into your life today in a life-changing way. And you can begin not a religious practice, but a relationship, a personal, loving, meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you sent your messenger, your angel, to the shepherds 2,000 years ago on a starry night outside of the town of Bethlehem to paint a picture that you sent your son to be the savior of the world to people that feel unworthy, inadequate, and unloved. And I pray that just as those shepherds received that message and it brought them to the savior and to the manger that night, it would bring many people to you this Christmas, this morning. We continue in an attitude of prayer. How many of you would be honest enough to say, you know what? I do have a little bit of a concern, a little bit of a fear of not being right with God. I sometimes feel unworthy, inadequate, and unloved. 
And you say, you know what? This was good news. And today, Jesus does not offer you religion, but he offers you a personal relationship with him. And that's the greatest gift you could ever receive. And I believe that some of you, God is speaking to your heart right now. You know who you are. And this is the Christmas that you finally accept what Christmas is all about. That God sent his son to save you. To save you. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray right where you sit from your heart to God's. It's not a magic prayer. These are not magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind it, the Bible says whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, forgiven, have a home in heaven. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer from your heart to God's with me and mean it? I'll help you with the words. It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me to be my Savior. I don't want religion, but I want a relationship with you. I know that I cannot save myself. But you already provided that sacrifice. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior today. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and saving me. Thank you. We continue in an attitude of prayer. No one looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love the privilege and honor to pray for you, that you would grow in your relationship with Jesus that you have begun today by accepting him into your life. Would you just slip up your hand for prayer? Just put it up real quick so I can see it. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. God bless you. Yes, young lady. Yes, teenager. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. I meant it. Pray for me. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are putting their faith and trust in you today. Lord, we pray that they would grow in their walk and relationship with you from day, this day forward. I pray that they would look back to this Christmas season of 2015 and say, that was the Christmas that I received the greatest gift that I could ever receive. The gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of a home in heaven, and a relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we continue in an attitude of prayer for just a moment. I know we have many believers here this morning. And even though there's been a time in your life that you've accepted the gift of salvation, we're, we're still human and sometimes we still wrestle with thoughts of feeling unworthy and inadequate and unloved. And there's some of you this morning that maybe you're, you're carrying a burden this Christmas. You're going through a difficult time. You're going through a challenge. You know, people talk about and sing about this being the most wonderful time of the year, but for some of you, it may be the most difficult time of the year. Can I bring you some good news of great joy for you today? You don't need more presents this Christmas. What you need is more of the presence of the Savior, Jesus Christ. You need to be reminded that he loved you so much he sent his son to die for you. You need to remember that he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that when we're weak, he is strong and we can do all things through Christ that gives us strength. And so as believers in Jesus Christ this morning, how many of you would say, you know what? I have a need this Christmas. I have a burden this Christmas. I, I, I feel a little unworthy, unloved, or inadequate, and I needed to hear this message. And so would you pray for me that I would feel the presence of my Savior this Christmas and throughout all of the year? Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands in every section. I have a need. I have a burden. Would you pray for me? God bless you. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you would be with those that are going through difficulties, challenges, burdens, feelings of inadequacy or feeling unloved or unworthy, that they would be just reminded by the Christmas season that you sent your son to die for them. That's how much you love them. 
And no matter who or what in their life has made them feel otherwise, we pray that they would look to you for their adequacy. They would look to you for acceptance. They would look to you for love. They would be reminded that no matter what they're facing, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And I pray that you would encourage them and strengthen them. Thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son 2,000 years ago to be the savior of the world and that we could know him in a real and personal way. We thank you and we praise you and we worship you. And may we not forget that Jesus is truly the reason for the season. And we may we focus on that. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we welcome some new people into the family of God this morning? Celebrate some decisions for Christ. If you made a decision for Christ this morning, please let us know about that on your connection card. Drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by so we can continue to pray for you. If you are a first-time guest this morning at Orchard Church, thank you so much for being our guest. Um, we hope we've been a blessing to you. You've certainly blessed us with your presence. Uh, hopefully you fill out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today, first-time guests, but we are definitely interested in getting to know you. We'll send you a thank you note and a gift in the mail uh, being our, for being our guest today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I'll be standing outside in the courtyard by the white tent. If you're a first-time guest, please come by. Introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to close in a song of worship in just a moment. Uh, hope all of you that are in town, I know some are leaving town, but for those of you that are in town, uh, you do not want to miss one of our four Christmas Eve services on Thursday. It's one of the highlights of the year, one of my favorite services. It's bring the whole family in. We got some really special surprises for you this year. Invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. It'll be about a 40, 45 minute service. And then we bring another group in. Uh, it'll really make your Christmas special. So two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. There's one for everyone to, to choose from. And then two days later, uh, next Sunday the 27th, are we gonna be meeting here? We will not have services. Okay, we'll have four services Christmas Eve. We will have no services. So the next time we will see you then will be next year, first Sunday in January. Super excited about our brand new series. We're going to go verse by verse through the book of Philippians. Hope you guys are excited about that. It's going to be a great way to start the new year. We're calling it the pursuit of happiness. It'll be a real encouragement to all of us. So look forward to seeing most of you Christmas Eve. If you are not here Christmas Eve, then have a very merry Christmas. Let's stand as we close in a response of worship. Worship, worship through our giving. I love you, Orchard Church. Merry Christmas.